I want you to take your Bibles and just remain standing for just a moment. We're going to read a verse. Uh, John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. We're going to just talk a little bit about Jesus. I told Brother Scott, I said, we need something easy to preach about. We're going to do this together and, and, and get an outline and make it go smooth. I said, we need an easy topic to preach on. And I, I told him, I said, I don't think there's an easier topic than to brag on Jesus. Amen? We're just going to brag on him a little while and talk about him and what he's done for us and what he means to us. In John chapter number 1, if you found your place, we're going to look in verse number 30, no, verse number 35. Verse number 35. And we'll begin reading. Man, I tell you, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about today, especially tonight and what God is doing. And uh, I, just, I just love the Lord. Amen. He has been good to me. If you have found your place, John 1, 35, say amen. amen. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. In other words, that's the one I've been telling you about right there. That's the one I've been preaching about. You see, Jesus uh, uh, did not come on the scene first. John the Baptist did. John the Baptist was the forerunner. He was the messenger pointing toward Jesus. And he came forth preaching out of the wilderness and said, There's one coming after me whose shoe latched. I'm not even worthy to tie. I'm not even worthy to shine his shoes. He said, I'm baptizing with water, but there's one coming after me that will baptize with the fire and the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, there he was. There he is. That's the one I've been telling you about. That's the one I've been preaching about. That's the one I've been teaching about. He is the one that will take away the sins of the world. And the Bible says when he did that, Jesus returned, and the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them three words. What did he say? Everybody say it with me. What did he say? Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelled and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. And Philip of, Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him. See, they've been told their whole life that God was going to send a hero. God was going to send a Messiah. God was going to send a Savior. And they said, We found him. We found him. We found him. We found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now watch his response. Nathaniel said, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? What a skeptic. Kind of like some of y'all in here today. What are these people doing raising their hands? What are they getting so excited about for? Why, why, why do they have tears in their eyes? What are they doing on a Sunday morning when they could be out on the lake? What is the big deal? That's what he's saying. What's the big deal? And this is what they tell him. Come and see. The same thing Jesus told them, come and see. He says, come and see. Today we're going to tag team and preach a little while on the subject, come and see. What, what are we doing this for? Why are we here this morning? Why do we give our tithes and our offerings? Why do we, why do we, we sacrifice things so that we can tell others about Jesus? Because we want them to come and see. We've got just a few things we want you to come and see this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that your will be done today. Bless your word. I pray that it will not return void. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, Scott. Amen. All right, well, if you've not been blessed already this morning, then your blesser must be broken. If that be the case, take it to Brother Dorgan. He can fix anything. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter number 10. And while you're turning, I'm just going to give you a, a quick introduction into this portion of Scripture. What has happened here is Jesus is being questioned by a lawyer, a, a situation some of you may be familiar with. 
But he's been, I'm just kidding. But he has been, he is being questioned by a lawyer, and the lawyer has come to him and he said, Master, how can I inherit eternal life? And he said, well, what does the scripture say? And the lawyer replies to him, he says, well, the scripture says that if I love the Lord thy God with all my heart and all thy soul and all thy might, and that if I love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus said, you've answered right. He said, that's exactly right. And he said, this go and do. Well, then the lawyer comes back and he says, but wait a second, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus picks up right here in verse number 30 and says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, he came and he looked on him and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and he and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he set him on his own beast and brought him, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and he gave them to the host and he said unto him, Take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again I will repay thee. Which, which now of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. You know, I, I, I could have went over there to the woman at the well and shown you some of the great attributes of Jesus from over there. Or I could have went over to the one that was caught in the midst of adultery. Or maybe the, maybe the woman that, that she had the issue of blood for 12 years and showed you exactly how great Jesus is. But God pointed me to this portion of Scripture, and I believe it is because that in this particular parable, God gives us an insight to His very heart. To His very heart. Come and see this Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The first thing that we want you to come and see is Jesus' passion for the sinner. His passion for the sinner. I believe that that is the heart of God. Do you know God is not interested in our ability? He's not interested in our wealth. He's not interested in our wisdom. Why? Because He gives you that talent. He, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Lester Roloff said He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills and He owns the taters in the hills. He already owns it all. He's not interested in what we have, what we can gain. And then he's not interested in our wisdom because he's all-knowing. But what is he interested in? He's interested in the sinner. Oh, he's interested in the sinner. I'm trying to not look over that way because my brother's here this morning. And uh, Remember the story that I told a while back about the tennis ball getting stuck on the roof and the brother that pushed me up on the roof and I couldn't get down and I had to call my dad and he pulled the truck around. That was him. The big bald guy over here. I, get the, I, I got the microphone this time. Nah. But he, he come to be with us this morning and I appreciate that. And He was... Uh, I'm getting off subject, but I guess I'm not really because when I was that sinner... I didn't want to cry, but he was very, very influential in me getting saved. He kept on. He kept on, and he kept on, and he kept on. And he knew the lifestyle I lived. Lord, help. But Terry knew the lifestyle I was living. He knew the way I was acting. He knew, the, he knew all the sin that I was in. But he didn't give up on me. 
I didn't mean to go there. I didn't mean to go there. But because He had compassion on me, when He saw... I didn't mean to do this, and I ain't trying to build Him up. He knows that. But when He saw me in my sin, when He saw me left half dead on the side of the road, He was that Samaritan. I don't want to cry this much. I want to tell this. I want to tell this and y'all get it. But he was that Samaritan that came to where I was and he poured that wine and that oil into my wounds and got down in my sin and he said, Scott, why don't you just come? Why don't you just, why don't you just come to church with me? I'll never forget the day. December the 5th, 1999. I gave my heart to Jesus at the Christmas play. He had invited me the Sunday before, and we walked, and at that, that Sunday, I just, I just, I looked up there, and I saw these people that were so happy, and I saw them lifting their hands to the Lord, and, and, and everybody just loved being at church, and I never liked being at church. I didn't want to be around church. I didn't want to be around church people. When he come around, I couldn't even look him in the eye. But this time I wound up there, and they were so happy, and they had something that I didn't know what it was. And I said, you come here every Sunday? He said, yes, I do. I said, are you coming back tonight? He may remember this conversation. I said, are you coming back tonight? He said, no. He said, Karen, which was his wife, says, she's coming back into town, and, and I need to spend some time with her tonight. She's been out of town. And so they did that, and he said, but tomorrow's our Christmas play. He said, you really need to come to the Christmas play. And he, oh boy, he didn't know how, well yeah, I guess he did. But I really needed to come to the Christmas play. And I got there, and so help me, I swear, I felt the presence of God on me so thick that if I were to have jumped up in the air, I would have got stuck. I mean, God just reached down to where I was, and He began to love on me, and He began to hug on me. And even though I was a dirty, rotten sinner laying in my filth, He came to where I was, picked me up, and established my goings. Jesus is not interested in our ability. I, I want to be a good preacher. I do. I want to be a good preacher. But He's not interested in just me being a good preacher. He's interested in me having a heart for sinners because the heart of God is for sinners and He wants us to have His heart. He wants us to have a heart for sinners. The passion for the sinners. Put my sub point up there. Hey. He loves the forsaken. Hey, somebody in here this morning, they feel like they've been forsaken. They've been left. They're all by themselves. I promise you this, there is a friend. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And He has made you this promise in His Word. And I serve a God that cannot lie. That He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You say, well, I'm walking through something right now, Brother Scott, that I don't understand. He'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You say, I'm going through a problem right now, Scott, that I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can bear this. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I don't know the direction that God wants me to go right now. I can't figure out what's happening in my life. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He loves the forsaken. You're in here this morning and you feel like you're the forsaken. Can I give you a message? Man, He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you more than He loves the mountains. He loves you more than He loves the stars. He loves you more than He loves the angels. Man, He loves you. And He wants that personal relationship with you this morning. You say, Brother Scott, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about. I've heard about Him before. I've heard about some of the things that He did, but I don't know Him. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Aren't you glad of that? That He is waiting on on you. But not only is He waiting on you, He's willing to come to where you are. Oh, you think, well, I came to Him because you came to a church. Oh, no. You came to a building, but He met you here. And He's wanting you to pour your life out to Him. Not only 
He loves the forsaken, but He lifts the fallen. He lifts the fallen. You know why so many churches are dead now? You know why there are so many churches that, that are out there that have no life left in them? It's because they're not lifting the fallen. They're not caring about people. In this very portion of Scripture, a Levite passes on one side. And then on the very next line, and then a priest passes on the other. Religion passed by the fallen man. Passed him up. Said, no, I'm going to leave him laying. I sure am glad I'm not serving and we're going to leave him laying, God. I'm glad that I'm serving a God that whenever he saw me where I was, he got down in the very muck in the mire and lifted me up. The Bible says that this Samaritan put him on his own beast. He picked him up and he put him on his own beast and took him to the end. Aren't you glad this morning that we serve a God? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ has passion for the sinner? Oh boy, He loves the forsaken. Thank God. He lifts the fallen. How many of you have ever messed up since you've been saved? Yeah, me too. Yesterday. Probably this morning, to just be honest with you. But God never... Kicks us to the curb. Says I'm done with them. Oh, I deserve it. If, if God said I'm through with you and kicked me to the curb, he'd have every right to do that. But you know what? He loves me so much. He loves me so much that he keeps coming back to where I am. He keeps me straightened out. Boy, I get some beatings. I tell you, because I'm one of his children. And when his children... Ain't acting the way he needs them to act. He has to straighten them up. And sometimes that comes with the rod of correction. And sometimes I have to just take the rod. But you know, I'm thankful for that. Because without that, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. I got another brother. And I done went too long on my first point. So I have to shorten up my next one. But I got another brother that's lost. And I ask you to pray for him too. But... We were running buddies, 13 months apart. I mean, we're just, I mean, we've always just been there together. Best friends and worst enemies at the same time. If you ever had a brother that's almost the same age as you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We can beat up each other, but ain't nobody going to beat up the other one without the other one jumping in. And we just always had that kind of relationship. And when I got saved, he, he said, won't you come? Won't you come over here and party with us? Won't you come? I said, man, I've done giving my life to the Lord. It ain't me no more. He said, I give it a month. December, December the 5th of this year will be 12 years that I celebrate. 12 years. It don't seem like that long, does it? 12 years since I gave my heart to the Lord. All because Jesus has a passion for sinners. Amen. Amen. How many of y'all glad Jesus has that passion for the sinner? Amen. Amen. You know, from the very very beginning of Jesus' ministry, you saw that passion. I mean, he had a passion for the broken and the hurting, but not only that, but you saw the power that he had. From the very beginning, when he turned the water into wine, you have, you have a situation where people are lacking something that they needed at that time, and Jesus had the power to be able to meet the need. Now, how many are glad Jesus can meet your need today? He has power. I mean, he's a man who stands on the end of a ship, on the bow of that ship, and it's storming and raging. I mean, in a hurricane-type weather, the, the thunder is crashing, the lightning is flashing, the wind is blowing, the rain is falling, and they are scared to death, and they say, what are we going to do? We're going to die. If you don't do something, we're going to perish. And he stands on the bow of that ship and says, peace be still, and shoo, I mean, an instant calm, an instant peace in their stormy situation. And they said, what manner of man is this that he can say, peace be still? And the winds and the waves obey him. I'm telling y'all, ladies and gentlemen, we are not worshiping a statue. We're not worshiping a piece of gold somewhere. We're not worshiping an imaginary being. We're worshiping a living, alive, powerful God that can meet your need anytime you need it, anywhere you need it. He has the power to meet your need. Listen, what kind of power does he have? He has resurrection power. 
resurrection power. Jesus came into town. His good friend Lazarus had died. He was sick. And listen, Jesus didn't make it in their time. In man's time, he was late. But in God's time, he was right on time. He walks in. He walks in. And they said, boy, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd have just been here. Because see, they knew that he could touch blinded eyes and they could see. They knew that he could touch lame legs and they could get up and walk again. They knew that he could touch the sick and they would be healed. And they said, boy, if you'd just been here, my brother had not died. And Jesus said, he's going to be all right. He's going to live. They said, well, we know it, the resurrection. And then Jesus said, that's what I've been trying to tell you. I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. I am life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, I am life. I was there in the very beginning at creation when he breathed in the nostrils of Adam and Adam got up and walked around. He said, that came from me. I am life. Preacher, what are you saying? What do you have in your life right now you need Him to breathe life in? Do you need Him to breathe life into a relationship that has died? Do you need Him to breathe life into a ministry that has died? There's nothing that's too dead. There's nothing that's too far gone. There's nothing that's too far out for Jesus to come and give life back into a situation. He has resurrection power. He can bring it back to life. Man, I tell you what, I like living stuff, don't y'all? I don't like I don't like fake flowers. I like real flowers. I want to be alive. I like lively preaching and I like lively singing. I don't hang around. Uh, listen, I don't hang around a, a graveyard. I want to hang around where there's life. That's why I like hanging around young people because they got life to them. Jesus said, "I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly." Some of y'all are hanging around dead places. You're, 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 you're following a dead religion. You're, 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 you, listen, there's no life, no joy. But I tell you what, anywhere you find Jesus, you're going to find happiness. You're going to find peace. You're going to find excitement. Why? Because there's life. He has resurrection power. Amen. Why could, why could Brother Scott stand 12 years later? Because he's got a brother that introduced him to the resurrection. And he brought life into his soul. Not only does he have resurrection power, but he's got restoration power. Restoration power. Not only, not only can he bring life back into your situation, he can restore what the devil stole. Some of, you, some of you have gotten saved later on in life. I've heard, I've heard a lot of older Christians say, boy, I just wasted so much of my life. I've just thrown away so much of my life. The devil's just stole so much of my time, energy. I found out this, the older you get, the less energy you get. Anybody have that situation happening? I go places in, 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 at the ball field. At the ball field, we go and watch it. And then, and then little people, about this big right here, non-stop, wide open. Zoom, zoom, zoom. I'm thinking, where did that go? I know, I, I, that's making me tired just watching them. And when you're young, you have that injury. You can do so much for God, and so many people have just wasted it. Given all that good time to the devil and then... But I got good news for you. According to my Bible, the Bible says God can restore what the devil stole. He has the ability to restore something that has been taken away. And I'm telling you, the devil is a thief. He said, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life. He can restore. I, I was writing just a couple of things down. He can restore help to the struggling. He can restore health to the sick. He can restore happy to the sad. He can restore honor to the shameful. He can restore holiness to the saint. He can restore hope to the sinner. He has that ability. Listen, Peter said, I'm, I'm, that's it. I don't know the man. Peter is there in the garden. He's defending Jesus. This is in the last hours of Jesus' life. And he cuts off the servant's ear. And Jesus picks the ear up, puts it back on his head, and chews out Peter. Now, I can, I can kind of relate to Peter right here. I can. I, I can go like, oh, dude, you're chewing me out? I'm risking my life. 
I'm risking my life for you. You said you were supposed to be a king. You, you, you were the Messiah. You were the hero. We're supposed to rule and reign, and they're carrying you away in chains. I don't know him. That's what he said. I know not the man. And you know what? In his mind, he was really probably thinking, I thought I knew him. I thought I knew what was going on. How many of y'all sometimes God went right when you thought he was supposed to go left? What? Are you serious? I said, I don't know him. Just cursed. It's amazing when you get frustrated how you can relate back to what you used to be. Can you imagine the brethren of the fellowship that night? Don't look at me that way. Boy, did you hear about old Peter? I tell you what, and he was in the inner circle too. He was one of the inner three. I told Jesus he shouldn't have took him with him. Well, I knew that was going to happen all the time. I tell you what, they just can't change their spots, can they? But you know what? It got worse. It got worse after the, the resurrection when everything should have been fine. When everything should have been great. I mean, he even went and told, hey, don't forget to tell Peter, I got up. It's okay. I'll be there. I'll see him. Even after all of that, Peter said, that's it. I quit. I'm going back fishing for fish. These fishing for men stuff, I can't, I can't hang with. It's just, I'm, I'm going back fishing. Jesus said, okay. You know what? He caught nothing. Caught nothing. You can go back to that old way. Go ahead and try it. But you're going to be miserable. Point being, point being is this. We're talking about restoration. Jesus comes, and we know the story. He says, he says cast it on the other side, and, 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 and here they go. They catch all these fish, and, and, and Peter says, uh-oh, I done seen this before. I know who that is. John says, it's Jesus. Peter bails out, gets to the shore. Listen, he crawls up on the shore instead of Jesus beating him over the head with a stick and instead of him giving him a fundamental lecture. He gave him something to eat and said, come on, warm by the fire. We can learn a lot from that right there. And what happens after that? Would they have a little talk? Just a little talk with Jesus? And somebody stood on the day of Pentecost and seen thousands saved. It wasn't Dr. Luke. It wasn't Evangelist John. It wasn't Bishop Matthew. It was old cussing Peter. Oh, I don't, I don't even know him. It was, oh, I'm quitting. I ain't doing this no more. Well, what, how, what, what, how did it go from how did it go from cussing and quitting to over here preaching and spitting? Say amen. Because there was a man named Jesus who had restoration power. You see, over here, before he was cussing and quitting, Jesus had a purpose for him. Jesus had a destiny for him. He said, unto thee I give the keys of the kingdom. You're going to unlock the door of salvation to the Jews and the Samaritans and then the Gentiles. You're going to help them be an instrumental part of the early church. I've got an awesome plan for your life. And I'm telling you, even though he quit, even though he cussed, even though he denied Christ, God had the power to change him and help him and get him where he needed to be so one day he could restore that person purpose and that plan for his life and go back doing what God had called him to do. What's the point? What's the point? We've messed up before. Don't quit. Don't quit. Just ask forgiveness and go on because God can restore back what you think you lost. God can give it back to you. Why? He's got power for the suffering. Power for the suffering. He's got resurrection power. Not only that, he's got restoration power. Church, say amen. Amen. All right, buddy. Amen. So we've already seen that Jesus has passion, passion for the sinners. And he also has power for the suffering. But number three, I've got to move your notes out of my way so I can get back to mine. Number three. No, his, his notes are good too. Number, number three, number three, I'd better hush. His purpose for the saints. He has purpose 
for the saints. What does God want me to do? He wants you to tell others about Him. What does God want me to do? He wants you to love others to Jesus. You say, I don't know how to go in front of people and witnessing and all this, that, and the other. And you need to practice it and you need to work on it if you don't, if you can't do that. But I will tell you this, that it's not always the words you say that win people to the Lord. A lot of times it's just the way you act. Don't call yourself a Christian and act like a hellion. Amen. Doing some preaching right there. There's a purpose for the saints. And the purpose for the saints is to draw the sinners to Jesus Christ. To cast those nets. To be fishers of men. And to bring lost people to the Lord. Why? Because God has a big, huge kingdom that He has built, and He wants to fill it up. He said that He's going to prepare a place for us. He's got a place that He's preparing for us and has a purpose for us to fill that place. God's number one desire for your life is that you tell somebody, Jesus loves you, this I know, for my Bible tells me so. Amen. Purpose for the saints. A, there's two requirements. The first one is sometimes it requires sacrifice. Sometimes it requires sacrifice. Brother Kendrick gets to come and tell young people all about Jesus and how to get to heaven and how God wants them to live their life. But you know, he didn't get to become what God has made him until he said, all right, I'm going to sell the house and I'm going to move to Alabama. Brother Kendrick, are you having a time? Best time of his life. Brother Travis, uh, brother, Travis is, brother Travis has a vision for the homeless that is so big that whenever he starts to tell people about it, sometimes if we were just be honest, we think he's a little bit crazy. I, I love you, Brother Travis. He's got, he's got this vision for Unsheltered International. Man, when the tornadoes hit and we was out there feeding people, everybody cutting up, having a big time, and then a tornado hit, and we're having a big time serving the Lord, serving people. And then what happened? All of a sudden, one hit in Joplin. And he said, I'm taking my stuff and going to Joplin. How long have you been back from Joplin since that tornado? Two or three days. See, he done been gone so long, you don't even know how long he was long. His time's all mixed up. But what I'm saying is, Travis, you wouldn't be able to get to do those things if there wasn't a time in your life when God said, okay, I'm going to have to take this from you, but I've got something way better. And Travis, same deal with Travis. You're going to have to sell the house. Man, how many times... Do we, does God try to show us and reveal to us His purpose for our life, but then there's a sacrifice that's tied to it that we're not willing to make? Well, I don't know if I could take that pay cut. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be able to survive on this amount of money or that amount of money. Do we believe that we serve a God that can do anything? So that means that He can do anything whether you make $16 an hour or you make $6 an hour. Is that right? Because He can do anything that He wants to do. But what's He looking for? He's looking for somebody willing to sacrifice to be able to follow Him. One that's willing to sacrifice. This, this good Samaritan. He goes to the sinner. He goes to the man that was beaten in, and he was on the side of the road half dead and he pours in his oil and his wine. The sinner didn't have nothing left to offer. The sinner was left with nothing. But he took his oil and his wine and poured it on his wounds and cleaned him up. He took his money from his pocket and paid the bill at the end for for the, for the host of the inn to take care of him. And then went even one beyond that and said, you know what, I've already given you everything that I've got, but I'll be coming back through here. And when I come back through here, if it costed you anything more to take care of him, just put it on my tab. That's a sacrifice. Sometimes God's going to ask us to sacrifice. I, I, 
many things. And everybody in here probably has a testimony of their own of things that God has. And I just, I pick out, I pick out Brother Kendrick and Brother Travis because we all know them. We all see them. But, man, God has asked us to sacrifice. And then you move forward in, in the power of God and in the presence of God. All for the purpose of God. But not only does it require a sacrifice, but it also requires surrender. You know, surrender doesn't come with any ands, if, or buts. Surrender doesn't come with excuses. Surrender comes wholeheartedly. Surrender comes laying your life out before God and say, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be. And that's the bottom line. It's not, Lord, I would, I would move to... I would move to Michigan to plant a church if I could just talk my wife into it. Or, Lord, I would, I would go to Haiti to reach all those, all those people practicing voodoo. Lord, I would go there and I would reach them with, with everything I've got. Lord, if you just didn't, if I, but I got this job where I make this amount of money. Surrender doesn't come with any ands, ifs, or buts about it. Surrender is, Lord, no matter what, if you said do it, I'm going to go. Sometimes God asks us to do impossible things to us. And it might be impossible with us. But sometimes to us things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. If you want to see that purpose for your life, it's going to require sacrifice, and it's going to require submission. Told the story in the first service. I'm a, I'm a painter by trade, and now I'm a chicken cooker. But I'm, I work at Chick-fil-A now, but I, I painted for six years. And for about four of those six years, I worked with Brother Chris. And, man, we had some good times painting. I, I couldn't even begin to try to guess how many gallons of paint we put on stuff. And anyway, this one particular house that we were going to paint, this lady had... She was one of those type of ladies that when you go over to do a little bit of work for her, she goes, well, why are you here? You, you know the kind I'm talking about, don't you, Russell? <laughs> While you're here, could you uh, hang this light fixture in the bathroom? Yeah. Well, well, while you're here, if you don't mind hanging that light fixture, I'm going to run down to Lowe's, and I'm going to pick up a couple more light fixtures and a couple of ceiling fans, you think you could hang those for me too? While you're here, they don't realize that when you get out of there, you get paid and you get to go on to the... But, so while you're here, and Brother Chris, if any of y'all know him, he's just, he's just got a big heart and he, he can't tell nobody no. And so this lady said, while you're here, could you hang some ceiling fans for us? And Chris said, yeah, we'll get them done. And we were about wrapped up with the job. And one good thing about going to church with the boss man is you get sometimes you get the easier side of the deal and we set the other guys on to finish up some painting and he would say well what we thought was going to be the easier side of the deal and we set the other guys on painting and he said Scott come help me hang these ceiling fans we got in there and we took the light fixture down and we start putting this ceiling fan up and we get it up in there and I get it all buttoned up and everything and after we got it all buttoned up I said alright Chris hit the switch he reached over there, and he hit the switch, and I swear, if I'm lying, I'm dying. He hit the switch on that light, Terry, and when he hit it, the fan started going this way, and the light kit on the bottom started going this way. I said, good Lord, this woman's done bought a disco ball for her in this room. I mean, they were going to be partying. I said, I said, Chris, we did something wrong. Something's not right. We broke out the, the manual, you know, because like just every other good man, you're not going to pull out the paperwork until, you know, you messed it up the first time. So I broke more toys putting them together without getting out the paperwork. My kids get mad at me. But anyway, we break out the paperwork, and we, uh, we get to noticing that there on the diagram, there's a, about a three-by-three-inch little clip that goes in the top of that ceiling fan where the shaft goes up into the light box that clips on this little round doohickey, that's scientific, that, that on this little round deal, 
And when it clips into place, guess what happens? The lights don't turn with the fan. <laughs> Who'd have figured? Brother Scott, that's a silly story. What's the point of what you're trying to tell me? The point of what I'm telling you is, is that little black clip, as insignificant as it looked, as unimportant as it looked, it was not spare parts. As, as insignificant as it looked, it, without it being in place, that fan twirled crazy. As insignificant as you may feel, as insignificant as you may think you are, there is a divine, perfect purpose for you. And until you are plugged in to the right spot, your world is going to spin crazy. But when you get to where you are, plugged into that right spot, and everything is going the way that it's supposed to go, boy, there's a cool breeze blowing on your side of town. When you're operating inside the will of God, when you're serving the Lord with His power, going the direction that He wants you to go in His purpose, whoo, you've never had life until you've had life in the will of God. Amen. Amen. Church, say amen. amen. Let's wrap this up. Number four. This is the most important one out of all of them. Most important. As good as those three are, I want you to see this morning the plan for their salvation. He's got a plan that's perfect. You say, why is it perfect? Because it's plain. Anybody can get it. Doesn't matter your intellect, doesn't matter your educational level, doesn't matter the financial situation you find yourself in. Anybody, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's simple. A thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me. Two words, Lord, remember me. Remember me. And you know what? He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Isn't God great? It don't matter how you, were, how you were born or where you were born or, or what your background is or what your past is. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a plain plan. But more importantly, it's a proven plan. It's a proven plan. And, and, and coon hunting, I like to coon hunt and I get... Uh, Pro Hound Magazine, Coon Hound Bloodlines, and, and, and American Cooner. Say amen right there. Y'all can have Office Max Magazine. Y'all do what you want, but I, I got what I got. Amen. And when they're selling, when they're selling puppies, sometimes they'll have a, 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 a stud dog and a, and, and a female that they bred before, and the puppies turned out really good. And then this, this, this is what they'll put on there. Uh, when they breed them again and try to sell the next litter of puppies, they'll say, Proven Cross. But it doesn't matter. They can all come out crazy as a bat. That don't mean anything. But I tell you this, this is a proven situation. This is a proven situation. Jesus has the power to take an old drunk and make a missionary out of. An old hoodlum and just make a church planner out of him. Paul said, I am. Just look at me. I'm an example of what God can do in your life. My dad is an awesome example of this. Growing up a hellion, just mean as a devil. Mean as a devil. Me and my brother, and, 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 and we, we grew up playing sports, and, and, uh, uh, and I asked Dad, I said, why, why did you fight all the time? I mean, what's the deal? I grew up hating the people like he was when he was in high school. It was. I mean, the people in our high school that acted like him, I couldn't stand them kind of people. And I said, why? Are we? He said, that was our sport. That's just what we did. And loved it. Mean, mean, mean. And I'm not getting this just firsthand. Other people have told me how mean he was. I was standing in church one day. I was standing in the front of the church. We had a work day on a Saturday. And, uh, and uh, I was fixing the light fixture. Uh, we're all about light fixtures, ain't we? Amen. I was fixing the light fixture on the front of the porch, and, and the car pulled up and pulled in the driveway and got out, and a dude got out of that car for about three days. I mean, it was the biggest guy I've ever seen in my life. He just kept getting out of that car. And he walks up, 
And he points at the church sign. The church sign, Bethel's church sign was out there and it had the, the dad's name under there, Pastor Malcolm Carter. He said, is that right? Does that say Malcolm Carter on there? And I was like, no, that's not what that says. <laughs> I said, yes. He said, where is he at? And I thought, I don't think I want to tell him. And about that time, Dad and a couple others come around the corner, and they met eyeball to eyeball, and he said Dad's name, and Dad said, I don't know, I can't even remember who it was, but he said Dad's name, and they just went over and shook hands. He said, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. He said, there ain't no way. I just had to stop and see if it was really you. You know why? It was one of the guys' dad fought the whole time in school, all the time. Every day they'd get in a fight, just going down the hallway, just tagging into it right there. Mean, didn't care. Only time he went to church was he went to disciple the gas out of the cars. It was at revival. <laughs> Bible says, preach the truth. I'm preaching it. Amen. <laughs> One time went to church, and, and they asked him, honest to God, honest to God, this is this happened. He went in, and because of the way he was dressed, they asked him to, to go hang out in the, in the recreation area until church was over. And he said, that's fine, I just come to see the girls anyhow. So he went out and shot pool till the church was over. You know what we can learn from that? I don't care what they look like. Say, so what is your point? My point is this. My Uncle Jay had been inviting him to church and inviting him to church and inviting him to church, and, and Mom and Dad were on their first year wedding anniversary. And, and they said, well, I'm tired of this. Well, let's, just, let's just go to church. It was a little storefront building, just a brand-new church, and they were having revival. And and uh, said, so let's just go and get them off our backs, and we'll, we'll just be done with this. And then we'll go party. Well, that night, on a Wednesday night, they went in that building, and they did not get what they thought they was going to get. They got more than what they bargained for. Now see, some of y'all are here today for other reasons. You're not here because you want to hear from God. You're not, you're not here because you, wanna, you, you, you came to be in the presence of God. You come here to hang out with somebody. You came here because you didn't like where you was and there's a better place than where you was. You might have come for good food, whatever the reason you're here. It doesn't really matter. But I'm telling you, there's something in this place that you can get. Whether you came for it or not, it's something that could be the greatest blessing of your life. You know, I'm totally blown away and amazed at the amount of people that come into this place and there's a, there is a treasure more precious than gold that they can't even see. The service went on. They was, listen, they was worshiping. They were hugging each other's necks. They were all acting like they was excited to be there, squalling, hugging each other's necks. I asked my dad, I said, Dad, and it was uh, Willie Ward, I think Brother Willie Ward was the preacher. He wasn't that good of a preacher. He really wasn't, I've heard him. But he was an awesome guy. I miss him to this day. Man, I tell you, I can think about it, I miss him to death. But as far as this fantastic outline, I'll tell you how fantastic it was. I said, Dad, what did he preach on? He said, I don't even remember. <laughs> well, that was good, wasn't it? He said, all I know is I was going to that bar to get what these people had in this building. And he said, I wanted what they had. My mom gets saved first. She gets saved first. And, and they, you know, in the old-timey old church, everybody comes around and shake their hand. And, and, and so... Dad sit back there, I ain't going forward. Because see, he was under conviction. Some of y'all think the feeling you're feeling is, is nicotine uh, attacks. That's not it. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. I got a good buddy of mine I've been witnessing to hard, been witnessing to hard. And when he comes, it tears him up so bad. He told, me, he told me this week, laughing, trying to make a joke about it. He said, I can't, you go longer than an hour. I can't go in there. I'm having a nicotine fit. It ain't no nicotine fit. It's that Holy Ghost squeezing that hard. But I got a trick for him. This week, I'm going to bring uh, uh, some nicotine of chewing gum. Say amen. 
mess with me, amen. We'll build us a glass area back there with a big vent in and put a smoking section back there. I will do something, bless God, get them in here. Hey, it ain't no nicotine fit. Dad was under conviction. He said, I ain't about to go forward because he said if he went forward, something might happen. Then he got to thinking, that's my wife. This is our first year anniversary. If I don't go hug her neck, it could be bad tonight. So he come around the side and got right about over there. And a little guy about this big named Wiley Wooten. He was mean as a junkyard dog. But he was a good guy too. And he was standing over there and dad come around and grabbed him. Every deacon in the house jumped up. They didn't know what in the world dad was going to do. Because he, he had a reputation. Brother Wooten said, what do you want? He said, whatever y'all got. Got saved. I've never seen my dad drink. I've never seen my dad beat on my mom. My dad's never cussed me out in a fitting rage. Now, he's had a history of that. But I never saw it. Because, see, that was pre-Jesus. And I came around post-Jesus. Let me tell you something. This thing works. Does he have issues? Plenty. Boy, does he have issues. But don't we all? It's like that old saying, I'm not what I used to be. I may not be what I ought to be, but I ain't what I used to be. And I'm not what I'm going to be. Give God praise and glory. Father, thank you so much for a proven plan. One that we know works. God, there's several people in here that's just like my dad. They didn't come looking for you. They didn't come, they didn't come with a purpose of meeting with you. Or, but God, I hope they feel you right now. I pray that that conviction is so real right now. I pray that it's just squeezing their hearts. I pray that right now that they can see there is something about this deal that's real. There's something that's important. There's somebody that's important. It's Jesus Christ. Lord, I want them to invite them to come right now. As every head's bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, please be as still as possible. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you say, Preacher, I'm not 